Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. My cold is done, so hopefully I'm not froggy or scratchy today. Thanks for being patient with me last time. Today, I'm asking the question, what is active listening anyway? Well, active listening is a way of listening and responding to another person that improves mutual understanding. Better said, it's about being present, listening to understand, not just respond, and showing active interest and engagement in the dialogue. Listening to understand means just that. You want to understand what the speaker is trying to convey to you. If you're not thinking of the next thing you want to say, or what emails you need to respond to, or what time is your next meeting, or what you're having for dinner, then you can be entirely present for your speaker. Entirely present means you make a conscious effort to observe everything happening in the conversation. You're taking in the words, the tone, the inflection, to determine whether they're asking a question or making a statement. You're also observing body language and facial expressions of the person speaking. Have you ever had someone listen to you that intently? It can be unnerving at first if you're not familiar with this sort of listening. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about someone you pay to listen to you in that fashion. I'm really talking about someone you know, whether at work or in your personal life, someone who has learned the art of actively listening to others. I know that when I'm listened to like that, it feels like I've received a gift. Active listening is an important skill for us to cultivate. Not only is it an important relationship skill, but it has been shown to promote mindful thinking. It can reduce anxiety and depression, and it helps to build relationships and promote empathy. Empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. MindTools.com explains empathy as, for example, When you mindfully listen, you will likely smile and take the trouble to remember people's names. That's empathy in action. Giving people your full attention in meetings, being curious about their lives and interests, and offering constructive feedback are all empathic behaviors as well. It can feel like work, but as soon as you become better at it, you begin to find the sweet spot of enjoying conversation and learning about the person in front of you. Jean Kabat-Zinn, professor of medicine emeritus at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, says mindful listening means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. What I take from this definition is that I am to be mindful when hearing someone speaking, especially when they're sharing sensitive or serious information or stories. Is there something else that you may have sensed from the professor's statement? How about, but when do I get to share about myself? Or, I've never had anyone listen to me like that. That sounds hard. What about me? Those thoughts are also valid. If you are practiced in the art of conversation, you're aware that you will leave some conversations having only been the listener, not being able to share anything about yourself. Sometimes that is okay. Sometimes it is not. 
Think back to some of the times when you really had something you wished to share in a conversation, but your turn never came around. It happens. It can hurt a bit when it happens. You may find yourself even gravitating to those people you know who know how to listen. Consider why that might be. Remember my gift reference? As a listener, you could be giving a speaker the gift of your time, your attention, your care, and your concern. It may not be time for you to share, or the person is not the person to share with this time around. We can use our mind's eye to see people we enjoy spending time with, those whom we can tell anything to. What do they have in common? Are they good listeners? Do they seem to remember the most mundane details about you? Things you didn't consider anyone could recall? We want to be around those people because they continually give us a gift of listening, taking time to understand what we say to them and remember things no one else would, which bonds us to them a bit more. Now, consider the people in your life who take from you in conversation. These people interrupt. They don't seek to clarify any misunderstanding. They might even judge what you say. How do you feel after those conversations? For me, when I leave that person, I can feel unloved and empty. I usually also decide that that person is not someone I can share my heart with because they don't know how to handle it. They may just be a chatting partner. Other times with people like this, let's say on a good day, I can enter into a conversation with them knowing I will not be sharing my heart or anything else for that matter. I'm going to be the giver that day. I must prepare myself for that sort of interaction so that I can kind of protect my heart and not feel empty when the conversation is over. I have learned to be giving in that encounter, knowing that I will be present and listen, filling them up for that moment together, and then reassure myself that I have people in my life who will gift me the next time we're together. That way, I can be present without feeling resentful about not being heard. Now, I am not saying that if you are speaking with a taker, that you should allow them to be one-sided all of the time. That's where the idea of clarifying questions or mild interruptions and such are important. It can be helpful and kind to ask clarifying questions, especially if you feel your emotions are hitting on something that was said that may send you in a direction that was not intended by the speaker. It would be all right to reflect on what has been said by paraphrasing maybe what the speaker has said. This would be like, what I'm hearing you say is, or it sounds like you're saying, and so on. In the case of avoiding judgment about what is being said, a clarifying question could also be, what do you mean when you say, or is that what you mean? Hopefully the speaker would respond with, yes, that's what I mean, or no, that wasn't what I meant. And then you can ask them to restate. This way, you're still engaged in dialogue, not a monologue. This also can help keep resentment out of the encounter. And you might even guide someone out of talking only about themselves. And if the person is still not getting the idea that you desire a dialogue, 
Well, I suppose you could figure your exit out as soon as possible. The reason I hit on this topic last week is I feel like this is the purpose of encouraging conversations that we must have with the people we care about while we and they are alive to have them. It should go without saying, but I'm going to say it. Not all conversations can be conducted without high emotion, judgment, discomfort, and misunderstanding. If you recall last week, I mentioned the best way to say important heart stuff to my husband was that I needed to make a date, sit knee to knee, eyeball to eyeball. Let's face it, life doesn't always give us that opportunity. This is what I learned years ago as it relates to men talking to men. Women can stare into each other's eyes, into each other's soul even, while men sometimes do better dialogue side to side. Consider the golf course, the football game, or the fishing hole. Men sitting side by side, engaged in a mutually satisfying activity, can say so much, sometimes without actually speaking so many words. I think I read once, that men speak about 7,000 words a day, while women speak about 20,000 words a day. I looked this up, and in doing so, I found a study that kind of refutes that. But I would say the jury's probably out on whether this is true. The point I'm trying to make, however, is that for people of few words, their actions will likely be important. Their body language may be more important. And let's not forget, relationships, good, healthy relationships, can be hard. They take work. Agreed. But those healthy relationships are often the most fulfilling, most likely with both parties feeling heard and also feeling loved. Okay, let's look at some examples of active listening to get an idea of how we would apply this technique. Going back to mindtools.com, their webpage describes active listening in this way. To take a conscious effort to hear not only the words that another person is saying, but more importantly, the complete message being communicated. So what do we do when we're actively listening? The first one is engage. We show engagement and interest in what the speaker is saying by looking the speaker in the eye when they are talking. We eliminate distractions. How about put your device away? Focus your mind to the conversation at hand and the person speaking to you. I talked before about this laser-focused eye contact I had developed in the effort to be more active in my listening. But I learned that this can cause discomfort, especially during a sensitive or deep conversation. If you sense this might be happening with your eye contact, try maybe looking away briefly to give your speaker a little break. It can also help you keep focused a bit more if you glance away just for a second from time to time. Obviously, you don't want to do it too frequently because then that could be interpreted as disinterest. Use body language, like facing the speaker. Opening your body posture by not crossing your arms across your chest or crossing your legs or sitting back or slouching in your seat. And maybe consider nodding your head occasionally 
to acknowledge what you're hearing. Acknowledgement could just be a simple uh uh-huh or maybe a neutral facial expression or some sort of indicator that you're listening. Not that you're agreeing, but listening. The next one is to reflect. Keep the conversation going by responding in a way that connects with what the person just said. If you're mindful of body language, you might detect a natural pause and then you can reflect on what was said. Or if you're asked a question, you will have an opportunity to respond. At that time, you can try to restate in your own words or reflect what the person said, share what you think or feel about what was said, or ask an open-ended question that connects with the person just said, which would allow them to either talk more on that particular statement that they had made or maybe even change the subject. Who knows? When a person is sharing a story, keep in mind that responding too frequently or giving long-winded responses can interrupt their flow. This is where your practice of watching body cues will be important. More on those body cues in a minute. In order to reflect and respond, you must pay attention to the other person very carefully. You cannot allow yourself to become distracted by whatever else may be going on around you or by forming your responses while the other person is still speaking. Nor can you allow yourself to get bored or let your mind wander or you will lose focus on what the other person is trying to communicate. Third is don't interrupt. Interrupting is a waste of precious time. It frustrates the speaker and limits full understanding of their message. Allow the speaker to finish each point before asking questions. Active listening is a technique used in so many types of conversations and listening opportunities. It would be impossible for me to enumerate the myriad ways to effectively listen and encourage a speaker to share their story. It may also feel awkward at first. It definitely takes practice, but you don't have to use all of your new tools in a single conversation when you're just starting out. Try to first practice having open posture. Arms down, not crossed, maybe legs not crossed, feet on the floor kind of posture, sitting up straight or leaning into the person that you're hearing. Another time, maybe you could try to keep your phone on silent or put it away. Maybe in the future another time, you could even express to your companion that you value your time together so much that you're going to put your device away. That would be a huge encouragement, at least for me. I learned this bad habit that I realized was really not so loving at all. Sometimes I see more than one person in a day, and I had been kind of scheduling times with them so that I didn't double book or anything like that. So what I did was I set an alarm clock. An alarm clock. What would you think if you were sitting across from me ready to have a meeting time and I set an alarm clock? Yeah, sure, maybe efficient, but what I realized over time was that it could be considered hurtful and rude. Have you ever tried to talk with a timer running? (laughs) What if you had something really important to tell me and I had just given you 40 minutes? Would you even begin that conversation? Would you feel like I was present with you at all? Or would you feel like I was counting down the minutes? I'm so glad that I realized that behavior and let it go. Sometimes it's necessary, don't get me wrong, to be on a schedule. 
But I just recognized that in some of my relationships, there was no place for it. Active listening is designed to encourage respect and understanding, seek to gain information and perspective. You add nothing by attacking the speaker, being judgy, or being unengaged. Also, life is life, and sometimes we have to have short conversations and set times to have the longer, more serious ones. That's just a negotiation of life. If you have to cut a discussion short, of course, it's all right. If your listening window has a short opening, express that. Conversation usually is give and take. You shouldn't have to squash yourself to hear another person. Now, you may have to put yourself on hold or your thoughts on a shelf during a conversation, but assert your needs respectfully. Perhaps you can express that while you enjoyed this particular conversation, you have thoughts you would like to share, and though time does not permit, or if emotions are too high or sensitive, you can offer to make a future date and share them. Bottom line, treat the other person in a way you think they would want to be treated. That's a little different than the golden rule we grew up with. <laughs> okay, I mentioned body cues earlier. Are you able to identify frustration, anger, sadness, discomfort, or irritation during a conversation? We talked about open body posture and eye contact, but what about boredom and impatience? Could you identify that? Patty Wood is a speaking coach and conversation teacher. I included her website in the show notes for you. She outlined what she refers to as regulators or cues to recognize when someone is done talking, such as pointing their legs and feet away from you or maybe even toward the door, kind of implying, I'm out of here. Or they're leaning forward to express, I got it, I got it, let me go. Or they break eye contact, which could say, I'm done taking in this information. Or maybe they're just not even comfortable anymore with the conversation. And they're nodding, saying, I got it, I understand. Or they could place their fingers on their keyboard to say, I have work to do, could you just let it go? Maybe they're just drumming their nails on the tabletop. This is their way of saying, they're done. They could also drop their arms and lean back, maybe raise their eyebrows to indicate that they're waiting for your response or your feedback or that it's your turn to speak. We can look for signals like that and also these signals that maybe the listener is bored. They might be slumping down in their seat, making loud sighs, or maybe even just <laughs> blankly staring off into space. Are they impatient and ready to go for whatever reason? If a person has gone from boredom to irritation, there may be big hints that they want to move on to another point or they're just ready to leave the room, like checking their watch or their phone. They may symbolically run from the room by crossing their feet and moving the dangling foot quickly up and down, jiggling the crossed over knee, tapping the foot, whatever it is to indicate they're finished. I also came across a graphic that I'm going to link for you. It kind of grabs all this information on one page. I'll put it in the show notes for you. Well, <laughs> I feel like I've talked enough about talking and listening for today. 
I have some other ideas I'm going to share going forward, but in the meantime, check out the websites that I linked for you and reach out to me if you have any clarifying questions you'd like to ask. Or maybe you've learned a conversation style that serves you well and you'd like to share it, or perhaps a not-so-proud conversation moment you'd like to share. I'm thankful you listened today. Please visit my website and drop me a question or a topic for future discussion. Also, in the show notes, you'll find any reference materials such as names or book titles that I discussed in this podcast. Until next time, folks, take care.